back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Radio's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon B.K. Kiley. This is Before the Box Score, your post Georgia Feet edition. Hey, it was close. We're not about moral victories here. Missouri went down to Athens. The devil went down to Georgia. Hung with them for what, 50 minutes and uh, couldn't quite do enough to get it out at the end. But man, uh, the Tigers lose 30 to 21, and it was a good game. BK, how do you feel? I feel like Missouri went toe to toe against the top five team in the country on the road in one of the most raucous environments that you can play in and nearly played them to a draw. Yeah. And under, other than really one play, well, it's two, two turnovers, uh, but one play that really mattered. You were right there, man. You were right there. A- everything about this, you can look at any statistic from the game. It was basically a 50-50 proposition. And yeah. there was one play that your team made that essentially lost the game. And the other team didn't make that kind of a play. And boom, there's your ball game. Sometimes mm-hmm. we make football more difficult than it is. Missouri did basically everything we said they needed to coming into this one. They got a big play up by Luther. They ran the ball really well. Defensively, they made enough stops. And you turn the ball over. Game over. That's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think the takeaway is that. Like, you know, when you think about the 2013 game, and I know we've talked about it a lot over the past three weeks now, there was some razzle-dazzle, right? There was the Colt 45. There was the, the strip sack. Uh, there was f- four total turnovers. There were these moments, and I know Sam wrote about this in his pour-over, but there are these moments where you're like, oh, that, <laughs> I'm remembering that play, and I'm mm-hmm. remembering that game. And this isn't good or bad, but Mizzou didn't have any moments. Maybe you say the, the, the deep shot to Luther was a moment, but like no trick plays. No fancy formations, no going for, well, they went for two, but out of a very standard formation, very mm-hmm. standard play. They did not pull out the stops seemingly. They just said, we're lining up and we're playing ball, which is a very bold choice to make against, you know, the the, the best program of the past, past five years, one of the five best teams this year to just say, no, we're just playing you straight. I mean, Georgia's the one that did a trick play, then mm-hmm. got a pass interference. But like, they're the ones that did it. It was, it was very odd I, I, for for Drinkwitz, you know, to kind of be the offensive guy, the 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 trickster guy. Which he's the longer he's here, the less he is of that. But to have that reputation and then do nothing, have not a lot of creativity, and just say, no, we're just going to straight up play it. Like it was a bold choice, and it was working until the the mistakes that you talked. Yeah, about. that's what I was about to say. It actually made me feel better about it. Yeah, like. Yeah. You, there was nothing, there was nothing fluky about what happened on Saturday for the first three quarters. Missouri was, you can make an argument outplaying what is by most considerations, a top five team in the country on their field with 90,000 in attendance. Like that happened. And that taking place gives me even more confidence in this team, frankly, because they didn't need five takeaways to be close They didn't need four fourth down conversions. They didn't need some weird fluke play to be able to stick in this thing. Like this was their offensive line moved Georgia's defensive line. Their defensive line caused havoc around Carson Beck. It wasn't like seven sacks in the game, but they made him uncomfortable just enough to where he was 
kind of out of his element there for a while. So much so that George at the end of the half decided, you know what? Let's just regroup. Like, this isn't working. And we're just going to go into halftime. They got booed at home. They were completely out of sorts to end of the first half. They, they, their offense was a shell of itself. Missouri's Mm -hmm. defense was winning in every possible way. And that's kind of what made the end of the first half so frustrating for Missouri as well, that they weren't able to take advantage. But man, you, you're in the fourth quarter. There is, what was it at the time? Nine minutes left to play. You get the ball. You're on the road. You're down by six points. If I just had simply told Missouri fans, that is the situation going into that one. Every single one of us signs up. Mm-hmm. Every single one of us. Because now you have nine minutes to do the thing. To make the moment happen. And they start moving the ball. They get 20 yards in their first two plays on the drive. You're at midfield. Seven and a half minutes left to play. Down by six. And you throw an interception to the biggest man on the field. And that's ballgame. Because Georgia set up in field goal position basically right then and there. Your defense kind of was able to get a stop there. I mean, they they kick field goal, but that that ended the game for all intents and purposes. You weren't scoring twice in the final five minutes or whatever it was, four minutes. It just wasn't happening. Not against that team on that day in that moment with that crowd. It, It wasn't taking place. So when you threw that interception and they got whatever, 20 yards on that first run game was over. And that's, that's all that, uh, that there was to it. Unfortunately. I think that's really, I mean, obviously the interception was the mistake. I will also say I, I didn't, uh, quite agree with the, the tactics used to, to attack during that last drive. Um, like obviously the pass, um, the the pass to Burden worked, right? Okay, I got that. But uh, you know, twenty yards in two plays is objectively good. Thirteen of that was from Cody Schrader. At the time, I wrote it down. Eight minutes fifty nine seconds. So yeah, let's call it nine minutes. You have mm-hmm. three timeouts. You are on your thirty yard line. Mm-hmm. We all know by this point who Cody Schrader is. Mm-hmm. Our little mu- muscle hamster, right? He's like concrete. You got to mix him up before he starts getting stronger. And then he's just, okay. So this, this is, this is Cody Schrader time. Fourth quarter doesn't fumble gets yards. You have three timeouts and you got nine minutes. You could, you could essentially walk it down the field, score, give them very little time to respond. Now they have three timeouts too, but okay. You choose two passes in your first three plays. That's my problem. That's my problem. And the reason for that is because up to that point, before that drive started, for the day, your success rate throwing the ball was 31%. 31%. Your success rate running the ball up to that point was 44%. In fact, Cody Schrader just got done in the third quarter with a 100% success rate. Every time he touched the ball, he got the yards needed to either keep up with the chains or convert a first down. We just got done with that quarter, and you throw two passes in three plays. That is my problem. He shut. He he closed out the South Carolina game. He more or less closed out the Kentucky game. I'm talking Cody Schrader. He did that by himself, not with the offensive line, but he did it. 
because he doesn't turn it over and he always gains yards. And you threw two passes in the first three plays. And then one of them gets picked. Like, I'm not saying, I'm not saying you were asking for it, but the safer play, both from, from just from a football standpoint and the better play from what was working all game was just, just hand it to Cody Schrader eight or nine times. I was shocked that they came out throwing the first, the first pass and then the third pass. Like I just, I didn't get it. I don't have an issue with it. Um, you're going to have to throw to win that game. You just are. They're, they're, they're not going to let you win that game by running out the clock. There's, is Georgia, they're going to figure out what you're doing and they're going to shut it down. And now if you continue to do so and you're running on first down and you've got a second and 10, second and nine, you run on second down, you got a third and seven. Like now you're in a horrible situation. But they so. hadn't. They had it. I just told you, they got done. But for a quarter, like, come on, Nate, we know how this works. We know how this works. Sure. For a quarter, you were able to put together a really good success rate. What are we really talking about? Like 10 plays that were successful, which is great. Don't get me wrong. And it's amazing that they were able to accomplish such a thing. I don't, I don't believe that was going to be sustainable. Like just because it worked for you for a quarter does not mean that in the fourth quarter you were going to run this thing out. You needed Brady Cook to make a few plays. You needed and, a few passes. I agree. And it's but, not like they were out here like throwing bombs away. They were trying to get like a – it was almost like a tight end leak play. And a defensive lineman got in the way. He's 300-pound body, caught the ball, and you move forward, man. Like yeah. I'm not going to be critical of that play calling there because you needed Brady Cook to go help you win that game. Yes, you could have leaned on Cody Schrader as well. The previous play they did. Second and three, boom, go run it. I'm totally with you there. We've talked about this in the past, how Missouri falls into these traps of being so predictable because every first down, they're running the football. On this first down, they didn't. The previous first down, they oh, didn't. They're yeah. a tendency breaker. So I, I did not have an issue with that whatsoever. It just didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't. Heading into this game, though, um, Georgia's rushing success rate on defense was 36.2%. Which means Missouri was eight percent better than what they've given up all year, all year. Mm, they were doing it, man, and I, I don't know. They like, were, but I, they were gonna throw, like whether it was on that I'm play not, or later play. Like you weren't gonna run the ball the next twenty plays of the game, man. Come no, on, no. But you can at least, you can at least see what happens. In first sure, and, and, and I'm telling you. Missouri did a and if great they had done job. that and they got stopped and we would have been hypercritical of them because now you're taking the air out of the football. You're not being aggressive enough against Georgia and you know, you're going to have to throw it to be able to beat them. So like we we're playing the results here. I know you're not Nate, but anybody listening to this right now, that's like jumping on your bandwagon. It, 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 it is playing the results. 100%. I'm sorry, man. It is. They it did is. some excellent self scouting during the bye week because we we did talk about how much it's just Cody Schrader run on first, Cody Schrader run on first. For three quarters, Cody Schrader ran on first down three times. Everything else was on second down, third down. They Like, Kirby Moore scripted this perfectly to help his quarterback throw on first down, run on second and third. They had and an awesome game plan, dude. And that's Georgia why it's so hard for me they to be were not ready for of them that. in that moment. It's like, man, for the whole game, like – there, I've seen people also critical of the back shoulder throws that they were throwing to the sidelines. Oh, Guys, have you watched? You win. Have you watched Georgia? That's Has how anybody you win. seen them? The middle of that defense is a nightmare. You can't. That is it. where offenses go to die. <laughs> you throw across the middle, and whether it's the linebackers or the safeties jumping those routes, not only are you likely to throw an incomplete pass, 
that is where the ball gets picked. That is where it gets tipped. That's where all of the teeth of the defense is for Georgia. The one thing you can do against them, and it requires a perfect throw and great receivers that have ball skills, you can go to the outside and throw it back shoulder because it's nearly impossible for it, if you do it right, the defensive back to make a play on those. Now, it is a lower percentage throw. That is. You're going to hit those like 50 to 60% of the time. That's exactly what Missouri had in the game. They were right around 50% on it, but you can get not explosives, but 10 to 15 yard chunks by doing so. And you've got a guy in Theo Weiss who's clearly proven he's capable of coming down with a bunch of them. So yeah. I had no problem whatsoever with their game plan in this one. I, I thought Kirby Moore was awesome, man. I didn't think the outside zone was going to work against this defense. It not only worked, it worked to perfection. And then they just kept spamming the hell out of it saying, hey, until they stop it, we're just going to keep running it. They didn't stop it. And then, you know. And then threw two passes. Um, (laughs) passes. Theo Weiss, though, I mean, he is is custom built for those back shoulder passes. That's that's a static explosive. There's not like yak, but it it is, like you said, it's a chunk play. And think of every catch that he had. If you go back and look at it, like, I mean, I know the the negative one play was not great, but, you know, he had a 33-yarder, he had a 31-yarder, and he had a 17, no, 13-yarder. All three of those, back shoulder. And they tried Mookie Cooper, and it worked. Well, didn't really work all that great, but Mookie was better along in the inside, which is a dangerous place to to throw it to Georgia, as as you mentioned previously. That was how you win in the pass game. And they they set up their defense that way because it is a low percentage throw. Yep. And so they know, hey, yeah, okay, quarterback, go make this impossible throw. That's how you beat us. And the quarterbacks who can do it can move the ball. In several instances, Brady Cook did that. He so also I, beat them with a throw, like th- threading the needle against the cover two where the corner shuts down. Against and then Mekhi he's Miller. able to yep. Mekhi Miller down the sideline. Yep. Safety's laid over the top. Mm-hmm. Corner falls down or corner stays down into his shell. And then you've got the – the keyhole right there. Right You've got to hit yep. it. You mm-hmm. got to hit it. And if you don't, your receiver's getting blown up and it yeah. might be a pick. Like yep. one of those two things is probably happening. It, it was a perfect throw. It was a ballsy throw. And he was able to thread the needle. Like man, Brady cook was really good for the vast majority of that game. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of it. Like I remember texting you early on first, second drive. I said, Brady cook looks really poised. He was, he yeah. just, he's taking whatever they're giving them. It's it, it, it. Nothing looks forced. You could tell he looked healthier because he was running early mm-hmm. and he was able to actually get some explosives out of the running game as well. He just, he played a really excellent game for three and a half quarters. Yeah. And when you play against Georgia, an excellent football game is like 250 yards through the air. That's excellent. And if you're able to add a little bit of value on the ground too, oh my gosh, that is chef's kiss. Everything you could ask for and then some. So he finishes, at least to my count, 212 yards through the air, 57 through on the ground if you don't count the sacks, which I don't. Um, there was there was two adjustments that they made, two really simple adjustments that Georgia made. After that first touchdown drive, they took um, their outside cornerback, his name is Kamari Lassiter, uh, if you if you were curious, he is a junior, so he's experienced. He's a former blue chipper. He's a four star out of Savannah, Georgia. They took him out. He usually plays kind of on the left side. They just put him in the slot and say, "You cover whoever's in the slot." Yep. Well, who sits in the slot? It's Luther Burden. 
So Luther got erased. And then Dalen Everett, they rotated him onto the left side and brought in Malachi Starks from the free safety position to play the other corner spot. It's just a very versatile group of secondary guys. They can do that sort of thing. And it worked. Um, so this is the second time where a outstanding blue chipper is able to erase Luther. Now we could speculate on his health. It's impossible to tell from that guy. I don't know if he's healthy or if he's injured because it's just every we've talked about in the last show. He's, he always looks like he's hurt. Um, but the point is, is that elite defenses can, can put an elite guy on him and minimize his impact, which is what they did. By the way. Yes. Prior to this game, how many snaps do you think Lasseter had played in the slot this season? I don't know, probably 10. Prior to this game, he had played 11. Okay. He played 29 snaps in the slot in this one. This is this is what really good coaches do, man. They made an adjustment by doing something this guy was basically never doing. Last yeah. year, his highest snap count in the slot was five snaps and he was playing 40 to 50 snaps on the outside regularly so this is something where kirby smart said that guy is not beating me <laughs> yeah we're we're not doing that anymore yeah. and he took him away by putting his best corner into the place where he could more often line up against missouri's best player and that's it that's it and so that was the first thing that they did was they switched out their corners on the nickel spot and removed Luther. The second thing that they did is that they kind of play this weird three, four style three down linemen. And then their linebackers are kind of like a mix of safety and linebacker. Uh, it goes Jack money, Mac star. We all know what a star position is. That's mm -hmm. kind of a heavier safety. They took their Mac, which is a lighter coverage type uh, inside linebacker. His name is Smale Munden Jr., which, again, just the worst name in the world. I am sorry, man. I don't know how there was a first, let alone a second. I'm glad you're good at football. They took Smale Munden Jr., and instead of saying, hey, you're playing coverage, they said, hey, you're playing Brady Cook. And he just shadowed him. Sometimes he would, he would rush him. Sometimes he would just kind of sit back but that was the second thing glenn schumann's like no no more no more running for brady cook none of that yep none of that and again mr munden jr as funny as he's named former blue chipper just he's an older guy he's a junior he's experienced he's talented he can do that sort of thing so you're two big weapons like your game breaker weapons brady cook's legs when he's healthy and luther burden just go rip guess what missouri was still able to hang around that's the thing so that this is why football is so much fun is yes. because those are the two easy button things that missouri has if missouri gets in, into a tough spot what do they do well one you throw the ball to luther burden because that guy's amazing he's the best player on the field every time that he touches the field number two well when he's healthy as you mentioned brady cook can run the guy's really gifted with his legs and it doesn't really matter who you're going up against. He seems to find open holes and more often than not, he's able to get like five, six yards for you when you have either a designed run or a scramble, which he's also very good at. And Georgia said, we're not allowing you to do either of those two things anymore. You're going to, if you're going to beat us, you're going to do things with your left hand, your right hand, put it behind your back. Now play left-handed. And guess what? Missouri almost did it. Yeah. Like Missouri went up against a team that while not as good run de defense this year is still really freaking good at stopping the run. 
Mm -hmm. And Missouri did a thing where instead of throwing to the middle of the field to Luther Burden and Mookie Cooper and Makai Miller and all of the guys that they've been throwing to all year long across the middle of the field, they won by throwing it to the outside. And these are things that Missouri has not done a whole lot of this season. So in order to beat one of the best teams in the country, they tried to play left-handed. I didn't think they would be capable of doing that, frankly. And they almost were. They almost were, man. For three and a half quarters, they were right there. So you're right. There is no moral victories. It goes down as an L. You're seven and two. Your dreams of winning the SEC East are dead. Your dreams of making the college football are completely out the door. Your dreams of having a season that is remembered like historically great, over. That's no longer on the table. But it can still be a really freaking good season for Mizzou. Sure. You can still win 10 games this year, which has rarely been done at this program. Um, so everything is not lost. It just, it was a kick to the mouth, kick to the teeth. And mm -hmm. there's really no way to change that, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, could Georgia lose games toward the end of the stretch? Yeah, I think absolutely they could. It doesn't matter though. Yeah. Because they're on the tiebreaker. And you need to lose three, and they only have two SEC games left, Ole right. Miss and then Tennessee. So it doesn't matter. They 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 won the East. Like we said, this was the SEC East Championship game. They won it. Um, Technically, Tennessee's still alive, but I okay. we'll talk about that later. Yes. We'll talk about that yes. at a later date. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's okay. That's okay. Um, yeah, it's a, it's not a moral victory. It was a, It was a great showing. And I know you picked Georgia to win. I know I picked Georgia to win. I know we're all like, well, we're picking them to win, but uh, it could could be close, and yeah. it was. So I mean, we were right, but you know, it's you don't yeah you don't get credit for a close loss. But here's the thing, here's the thing. This is the second year in a row that Missouri has hung with Georgia, closer than maybe some people think, and closer than most SEC teams can. Mm -hmm. That also doesn't mean much unless you continue to close the gap, right? This is a, this is a checkpoint and starting next year, we don't know how often we're going to be playing Georgia. We don't know what that schedule is going to be. We don't know how often they're going to be on the rotation, which means, okay, is there an Alabama? Is there an LSU? How often do we see them? How often do we see Florida? If they ever get their stuff together, how often do we see Tennessee anymore? Oklahoma, Texas, you know, A&M, if they ever figure out their money situation and actually get good teams together. Like, I don't know. But when you go up against elite competition, if you're not, if you're, if you're continuing to close that gap and get close, that says something for that year, but you have to keep staying close. And then at some point you got to start winning them. And I don't know when that's going to be, but I choose to view these past two games against Georgia and just the overall tra trajectory of the program as a positive and assuming that in the long run, it's going to keep going that way. Am I crazy to think that? No. So this is where I get upset. <laughs> not, not at you, Nate. I want you to be, I want to be clear. This is not okay. directed towards you. Sometimes I, I get in trouble for this because okay. I like to believe that I'm a realist. And I think sometimes we need to acknowledge what Missouri is as a program, where they are as a program, where they're always going to be as a program. 
what they're not going to be as Georgia, what they're not going to be as LSU, what they're not going to be as Alabama, what they're not going to be as any of the historically great programs, Michigan or Texas or Florida State or Notre Dame. They're just not that. And so I'm, again, this is not me necessarily pushing back on what you just said, Nate, because I'm in total agreement what they have done over the last two years. Like it shows signs of progress and that is what you're looking for. What I am pushing back against is, what I think will become a discussion about Missouri sooner rather than later is, okay, cool. You're doing all of this, but when does it take the next step? It might never take the next step guys. It might not. Gary Pinkle never took it. Gary Pinkle's best years were years where he makes it to the big 12 championship or makes it to the sec championship. And one time, one time you had a real chance to be able to win when you got there. And that was in 2013 for Missouri as a program. This is pretty close to what a ceiling type of a season is probably going to be, is something resembling this. And the reason why I loved the lead up to this game is because it almost allowed for you to have a moment as a fan base where like, okay, now we can really dream moving forward. And so I guess I'll, I say all of that to say this. Appreciate the season for what it is right now. Appreciate yes. it. Like, really take it in and enjoy every moment of it. This next weekend, when you play against Tennessee, I know there's a bad taste in everybody's mouth because you lost on the road at Georgia, and now the stuff that we all wanted to be in play is no longer in play. Man, that stadium should be packed for this game. It is a huge, huge football game between two teams that are ranked in the top 20 in the country, two teams that have legit 10-win aspirations this year, and that is a really big deal man to win 10 games in the sec to win 10 games at missouri is something that almost never happens missouri's football program has won double digit games in the regular season four times four times in the history of the program man 07 10 13 14 and that is still in play this year and what i don't want to hear is okay what's the next step from that i get it that is a discussion that will will have people will have I think it almost overlooks what has been accomplished this year. And that, that is frustrating to me personally. Yeah. I haven't heard it yet, but if you're thinking it, yeah. Crate, go to your crate. Think about <laughs> it. Um, yeah. At, at its best, just because of Missouri's history and investment and everything that you look at, as far as a college football program goes, Missouri can be a Georgia once every four or five years. And then it, the pieces disappear and then you rebuild it again. And you just whoosh, whoosh. And that's that's how it works. Gary Pinkle got us to that point. Barry Odom had a crest like that. Now, he didn't capitalize on the wins, but he had a crest. And Eli Drinkwitz, this is his crest. So what do you do after the crest? And when I say, like, hey, you need to, you know, you need to see continued momentum. I'm not saying, hey, next year's playoff, baby, or else we're fired. Like, <laughs> you know me. I'm, and, I, and that's why, like, I, I, yeah. I didn't even, when I heard some of the things that you were saying, I was like, oh, no, this is this is going to sound like I'm directing this towards Nate, and it's not. Yeah. I'm not yeah. mad at Nate. I am yeah. mad at the people that are going to align themselves with Nate that are not saying the same thing as Nate is currently. Right. And it's going to make me, I can already tell it's going to make me go just, bat bleep crazy this offseason yeah. <laughs> it, and, and who knows 
maybe NIL and the transfer portal skips a couple of those years. Maybe it's every, every, every four or five, it's every two to three. I don't know. No one knows. Maybe Drinkwitz is special. That'd be but, cool. you know, when I, when I look at, you know, when we, I talk about coach records and I look at, you know, how did you do against teams that finished with the winning record? How did you do at home? How did you do on the road? How did you do against your rivals? How did you do in one score games? I also do it by SP plus ratings, right? How did you do against one to 10, 11 to 25, 26 to 50? Do you know, we, we know, we famously know how Barry Odom did against SP plus top 10. He was one in seven. And we all know the one. It was Florida in that just random butt kicking in Gainesville in 2018. We all remember that one. Do you know how, do you want to take a guess, I should say, of Gary Pinkle's record against SP plus top 10 teams? I know it was worse than a lot of people would expect because it was one of the, like, as I've gone through in the last few weeks as we've been seeing Missouri play against competent opponents, uh, like top 20 ranked opponents, I've gone back through some of those seasons and I'm like, man, they they really just did the thing where they take care of business against all the bad teams and occasionally punch up and the occasionally is like not not a lot. Um, but so it's top ten teams is what you're yeah, you're asking SP me. Plus top ten. Did he have two or three wins against them? That's close. He had four. Okay. Do you know how many losses he had? Oh, it had to have been fifteen. Twenty-five. Yeah. Four and 25. Your Hall of Fame, College Football Hall of Fame coach with the best years in Missouri history went four and 25 against top 10 teams in the SB. Okay. Now you could say, well, he inherited a, just a, a pile of poop from Larry Smith and he had to build it up. That's fine. That's fine. Pick a year. What do we want to say? 2005? Do you, would you say 2005 is when he finally had, like, his program in place? The roots were installed? Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Let's just, let's just say it was 2005. Okay. I can, I can meet you there. He was still 4-19 against top 10 programs when he had his stuff together. And the teams that he beat were, was it Nebraska? Nebraska twice, Oklahoma, and okay. Texas Tech. Okay, you wasn't a top ten. Interesting. Texas Tech was, but not, mm. yeah, K K was eleventh. So gotcha. Okay, right on the outside. Yeah, but that, he just didn't do it. Just like he got us to Big Twelve Championship game, SEC Championship game, mm-hmm. and just <clears throat> couldn't get it over the hump. That that's okay. That's okay. You know, you still need to get lucky. <laughs> You still need, you know, maybe it, it doesn't mean that he wasn't the man for the job. Clearly he wasn't. He was definitely the man for the job. But it still takes an incredible amount of luck as well as everything else that goes into this sort of thing to get to the point where you can, you know, start winning national championships. And there are just programs that you're going to have to beat that can do that. And they are just by nature very tough to beat. That's part of the beast. And when you're in the SEC, and especially when you're in the revamped version of the SEC, you have to beat, like, instead of having to beat one or two of them on a year-to-year basis to be able to get to the game where you once again have to beat the final boss and beat another one of those teams, um, you're going to have to beat, like, three or four of them, probably, on a consistent basis. So it's it's only going to get more difficult as the years pass by in this conference. And so that is part of what 
made the allure of this game and this season even greater is that Missouri was potentially peaking in a year in which the schedule opened up a bit and you had really three or four, depending on how you look at them games where it was like, okay, if you go three and one or two and one in these games, like special season is written in the stars for you. Mm -hmm. But if you drop a couple of them, that's gone. And Missouri drops too, you know? Uh, Mm -hmm. But that being said, like, 10 and two at Georgia, 10 and two at Alabama almost feels fireable for those fan bases. Like they're, they are just insane when it comes to their craving for winning and to not get to an SEC championship game in those two places is a complete and utter failure. 10 and two at a place like Missouri, that'll get you a massive contract extension. That'll get you to a place where you had one of the like eight best seasons in the history of the program. So it is a little different at Mizzou. And this is not me telling you. No, you know what it is. It's me telling Mizzou fans to take their vegetables. <laughs> oh, man. What? Just total role reversal this year. It's it's it. it's time to eat your vegetables. That's your team right. went up against the top five team in the country on the road and was a bad decision by the quarterback, a bad throw, whatever you want to call it, away from really having a chance to take them down. And now this is where we're at, man. Now this is where we're at. And the thing that I'm most looking forward to is finding out how they respond now. Because it's one thing to lose it. It's another thing to rebound. And the last time that we saw this, Eli Drinkwitz earned a lot of credit for me. Because they lose that game against LSU, and then they immediately turn around, go on the road, go down early at Kentucky, Mm -hmm. and find a way to come back and win that game. And win it going away in a way that we just like never see Kentucky lose games at home and never see Missouri win games on the road. Can they do it again against a better team at home? It's going to be tough, man. But that's that is what I'm maybe most looking forward to now is finding out, Okay, this is another test for Drinkwitz and he's passed most of them this year. What does it look like? Yeah, we're still watching you. There are still tests ahead. You know, the season's not over. And I'm I'm sure Eli Drinkwitz knows that. And I'm sure that's the message he's preaching. And I'm sure the captains are in there right there with him. You know, that's I'm less concerned about that. But the opponent is tough. You do get it at home. Sellout crowd. It's basically Georgia light. I mean, this is a good defense, good running game, smash it at smash mouth style. Like, yeah, it's kind of who they are. They're, they're Georgia without the passing game that Georgia now has developed. So I, I haven't done my, my homework on Tennessee yet, but yeah, they, it is the currently as of a couple hours ago, they are the 14th best offense. Georgia's and most of that's coming on the ground. On the ground. They're they're an awesome running team, man. An and awesome then 20th best defense, which for the record, Kentucky's currently 19th defense and Kansas State is 27th. So mm-hmm. we have seen that caliber of defense before. I can't tell you what they do. I'll tell you on Wednesday. But um I am curious, how does their running game compare to Kentucky's this year? I don't know. Real quick. So Kentucky this year running game, and I'll do it against just conference opponents because there's some fluff built in, but yeah, UConn <laughs> um, Kentucky this year averages 5.2 yards per carry mm-hmm. Tennessee this year averages 4.7 versus conference opponents. So my 
God, I am looking. This is like the least explosive team in the SEC. Are you talking about Tennessee? Um, Tennessee, yeah. They're they're uh they are the opposite of what they've been. That's so weird. It's wild. It's it's really wild, man. They're third in the country in rushing yards per game so far this year, and they're one hundred and third in twenty plus passing yards. They're one hundred and twenty sixth in completions of twenty plus yards. Yeah, they they don't create explosives through the air. They don't. And last year, that was their entire offense. <laughs> like in previous iterations of the Josh Heupel offense, I mean, Mizzou fans, you're familiar with how that Josh Heupel offense yeah. operates. Yeah. Like, he he didn't do anything other than layups and three pointers. That was it. That was the entire offense was screen, 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 deep ball, screen, 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 deep ball. That's it. And now suddenly he's become a run, 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 run over the middle, run, 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 pass it over the middle. Jabari small and Dylan Sampson are good. Yeah. This is going to be a good test. Dylan Sampson is a, a little touchdown thief. He's got seven. No one else has more than two, but wow. They're an uh, interesting team. They are interesting. But yeah, it's it's a very good defense. It's always been a good defense. Yep. Um since since the uh, Heupel's gotten there. And now it's uh it's ground based instead of passing base because can by the way, you can't run against this defense. Nobody does. Um so that's, well, that's gonna be something, that's gonna be something that is um Interesting to see because they're they're a better run defense so far this year. They're, they're amazing. Oh, Cody, you are going against the sixth best rushing defense and the hundredth best rushing explosive defense. Whoopsie do. You can you can break a few big ones. But Cody doesn't break explosives. That's no, not his game. Not until Missouri is one quarter. of the worst explosive rates on the run in the running game so far this year. Yeah, because Nathaniel um, Pete can't stay on the field. Yeah. Nor should he. Nor should he. He got he came into the game the first play. It was so funny. <laughs> the first play he came into the game at the time, Missouri had zero plays for negative yards. Nate Pete comes onto the field for one play. I think it was in the second quarter. Immediately tackled behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, immediately tackled behind the line of scrimmage. It was amazing. I texted you right as it happened. I was like, listen, and this is not no shot against Nate Pete. Like no. last year, I thought he should be the starter for Same. like six weeks. <laughs> And three weeks this year, I thought he should be the starter. I mean, look at me. It was just so clear immediately upon his arrival on the field. Like, hey, go back. <laughs> if any of you <laughs> know in here, man. Nathaniel Pete, like if you see him on the street or you have a class with him, just give him a nice hug. Just uh, just hold him tight and say it's okay. I don't know what's going on, but it's okay, Nathaniel. It's okay. We'll you can get, get the defense through the air, by the way. Yeah, we'll, we'll get him next year, okay? Uh, I don't even, I mean, I know we've already talked about this, but like, I have no emotional hangups about the Georgia game. No, I was sad that they lost, but like, we all kind of figured they lose. <laughs> you you hope that they win. You're like, well, how's it going to happen? And you found out how it happened. You're like, okay, go beat the hell out of Tennessee. Go beat the hell out of Florida and then end whatever is happening in Arkansas yeah. and have a special year. Well, not magical, but just have a special year. You know, that's whatever. Whatever is happening at Arkansas is they beat the worst, the most fraudulent team in the SEC, which is Florida. Florida. Yeah, that's that's what's happening on the road. That was, that was ridiculous. Um, I didn't. So I was mad in the moment. Like in the moment, I was 
mad because Missouri did the thing where they didn't win. And that that makes you upset, right? They had they had a real chance. And for three quarters, I had the heart palpitations going. I needed to take 27 different Tums. I was onto the smoothie version. And like you get to the end of the third quarter and you're saying to yourself, oh, my God, that they might do this. Like this really might happen. They might upset Georgia. Nobody does this. And then you as Brady Cook threw that pass. It all went into slow motion. Mm-hmm. Like everything that happened from there was just a, oh, oh, what? No. Oh. And just an immediate release of it's over. I started writing. I started writing immediately upon that throw being that's intercepted you know because that's when you knew. It's when you knew. So I know you were watching with your son. I was watching with my two kids. They were, I think, throwing trucks at each other at this point. But um, I, you, you, when, well, I'll speak for myself. When I am watching a game in front of my kids, I'm not going to slip anything that I would slip at a bar or with my friends. And sometimes that's harder to do than other instances. So I think I let out a what in tarnation, I think is what I went with when the interception went into the largest guy's hands. And they both looked at me and like, what happened? And I'm like, you see that fat guy running? My yeah. dad was like, yeah. He's like, he's not supposed to have the ball. And she goes, well, he must be cheating. And I was like, well, okay, that's that's fair. But no, he's not cheating. He caught it fair and square. Um, it was that was just it. That was that was like, we all knew, we all knew at that point because you're not going to score twice in four minutes against Georgia. So that's okay. That's okay. Win this week. Make things better. Do the thing where you win the game, because that's fun. It's more fun than losing. I enjoy it. That's going to be the show for today. We'll talk more about Tennessee on Tuesday, because we're going to report on Tuesday. And we are going to exercise the demons of the Georgia game and look a little bit deeper at Tennessee and what the heck they do. And we're going to gear up for a great game. Right? Because it's going to be a win. It's going to be a great game. But that's going to be the show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. Leave a comment or rate us. We love all types of feedback from you guys. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Nate G. Edwards. He's at BK Sports Talk. And, of course, you can follow the Rock and Flagship at Rock M Nation and our podcasting outlet at Rock and Radio. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Rock M Radio, a proud partner of Fans First Sports Network. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to see more just like it beamed directly into your personal device, just click the subscribe button below. Uh, and you can find this podcast through the Apple Podcast app or for iPhone or the Google Podcast app for Android or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. Uh, we are also available on Spotify. Just search for Rock M Radio. Uh, and if you like other sports, Fans First Sports Network uh, is a podcast network that has uh, coverage of all other teams, Major League Baseball, uh, MLS, uh, NFL, whatever you want uh, to listen and, and read about. It is a great, great network full of really fantastic podcasts. So look them up and subscribe uh, to any and all of those podcasts. Uh, Rock M Radio will be back with more episodes coming soon. Thanks. Thanks.